Today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by Raymond. It's sponsored by the miscalculation of me, Root Sardamus the Third. I looked into my crystal football, and I said that the 49ers would probably lose by about three to the Ravens. I wasn't right on the score. I was right on the spread. But then I said with a twist, because I said that the Minnesota Vikings would defeat the Seahawks, and I was wrong. They came close, but then the Vikings, they took the hammer of Thor, and they smashed it on their own foot and said, we're out of here. <laughs> And that was it. <laughs> Too rich for our blood. <laughs> That's right. This was this was more of a Thor Dark World and not Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> yeah, and Kirk Cousins remains winless on Monday night. Yeah, he's like, he's not even Loki. He's, I don't know, man. He's like I one just... of the gods that got killed by, uh, by uh, Thor's sister in Ragnarok. Yeah, I'm just glad that we never signed him just because he's at his age. You know, I feel like that's that's what you're going to that's what you can expect out of Kirk Cousins, you know, from from pretty much from the last 2 years going forward. Whereas Jimmy G has so much more room in his ceiling and Kirk Cousins I think is pretty much there. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was against the signing of Kirk Cousins from the get. Remember we had Now, this now per- perhaps his style of play you know is like a match made in heaven to Kyle Shanahan in his mind. And he did, he did pl- work with him in, in Washington. And although he wasn't the, the, the full architect over there, cause he wasn't the head coach, he was, you know, more or less the offensive architect, you know, albeit with some input from the head coach and perhaps some of the other offensive coordinators, but I'm still, I'm still under the belief that we made the right decision with Jimmy G. I am under the belief that we made the right decision as well. So, Raymond, before we get started, why don't we let the people know, let the Goldcast Nation know, where can they find us? You can like us on Facebook.com slash The Goldcast, and you can also follow us on Twitter at The underscore Goldcast, and be sure to subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same moniker of The Goldcast. Like, subscribe, and comment. That way you get notified when we go live. And, of course, on the comment side, YouTube is probably the best platform to reach out to us. I know some of you use a little bit of Instagram. Some of you use a little bit of Twitter. I don't know if Apple Podcasts has. I know Stitcher no. doesn't have a comment section. No. Uh, but, and Apple does not either. Yeah. So so YouTube is really the best platform to comment. That's where we seem to get the most influx of comments so be sure to like, subscribe, and comment because we certainly like to hear from you and we like to interact with you even when it's a somber cast. This is definitely a somber cast. Raymond, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Ray Solis and on Instagram at Ray Solis 1. And you can find me on Instagram at Rudy Solis 3RD and Twitter at Rudy Solis 3. All right, here we go. It is in the books 49ers-Ravens did not disappoint in any way, shape, or form. We are here to talk about it. We were hoping to get a little bit of help from Minnesota, but that did not happen. And now a possible, inevitable collision course in Week 17 lies in front of us. But of course, 
As always, before we begin, the greatest fanalist in the game is here. Your professor of fanalism. He's in the building too. Class is in session. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first, baby. Boom! Oh man, Raymond. It was billed as the biggest game of the year. It was billed as the biggest game of the season. It was billed as the two biggest juggernauts out there. You had on one hand the San Francisco 49ers representing the NFC, and on another hand the Baltimore Ravens representing the AFC. Two Titans that when they were this good, the last time they met and they were both this good was arguably 2012. I won't say the 2013 rematch, which was very rare, almost never happens, but I will say the 2012 49ers and Ravens when they met in the Super Bowl. John Harbaugh was the coach of one. Jim Harbaugh, his brother, was the coach of our 49ers. But now, here in this era, in the 2019 era, John Harbaugh remains, but in the place of Jim, Kyle Shanahan is who stood at the ground with Robert Sala, with a brand new team, another fantastic defense, strong running game, but with a more accurate quarterback, shall we say? A quarterback with a higher potential. And this was really, this was now the battle. Last week was the battle against Green Bay for NFC supremacy. This week was really the game that was battling for NFL supremacy. Now, obviously, there was a lot, Raymond, a lot of build up going into this game and there's also a lot of seeding position we're now into work we we're into work 13 quickly heading into week 14 and this was in many ways a must win game for San Francisco with Seattle at two games two losses on the season and the win over us and us at 9 and 1 they were at 9 and 2 we had to win this game in order we I'm sorry we were at 10 and 1, right? No, 9 and 1. We were 9 and 1, sorry. 9 and 1. We were at 9 and 1. They were at 9 and 2. This was a must-win game for the San Francisco 49ers in order to stay a game ahead, stay at the number 1 position in not only the NFC West but in the NFC. And if we lost and Seattle won today, they would actually it would flip, and they would now be in the driver's seat for the NFC West. We would tumble down to the sixth, the to the second place, and the fifth seed, and possibly staring at a wild card position. This game was everything that it was billed to be. It was two Titans slugging it out, and I think at the end, final score for those of you that live in a box, which none of you do, final score was. 17 to 20 in favor of the Ravens. I think this is a game that really solidified Raymond that while we did lose, I think the 49ers are the best team in the NFC. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have stiff competition. And I know the Seahawks have now overtaken that first spot, but that doesn't mean that they will keep that spot. 
but I still think this really established our dominance. And even though the Ravens played a tight game, we still were able, for the most part, to figure them out. That second half became a battle of the defenses as both teams made a lot of adjustments. The weather, rain had a lot to do with it. It was... Um, It was a game that I think showed a lot of promise. And as I mentioned last week on the pod, I said, we will lose this game. And I hated to be right. Unfortunately, I was right. I said, but we will lose this game, but we will win the war. And I do believe wholeheartedly, 100,000% in my heart, Raymond, I believe that if we do see the Baltimore Ravens one more time this season, and we know there's only one way that can happen. If we do see the Baltimore Ravens one more time, we will not lose. But anyways, that's just kind of the setup. That's what we were staring down, this NFL heavyweight matchup, the biggest game of the season. I don't think we're going to get a game bigger than that in the regular season. So now I want to turn the tables over to you. What did you see? You're the greatest panelist in the game. I want to ask, what did you see? What went wrong? Where, where, where did the Niners shoot themselves in the foot? I have my ideas, but I really want to see what, what are your thoughts, Raymond? Well, this had every, with the exception of the the date of this game, this had everything that you would want to see in a marquee matchup, whether it's playoff, you know, wildcard division, championship. It had postseason feels on it. Yeah, it definitely, it didn't matter what round it was. It was definitely one of those games that you'd like to see. And to be honest, this really just came down to one or two plays. And the Ravens got the better end of that. I think the weather, the weather affected our game plan more than it affect than it affected theirs because their game plan is run eighty percent of the time, and the rain forces teams to run eighty percent of the time. Uh, that's not a real statistic. I'm just kind of ex- in, in, inflating a little bit, but that's more or less the Ravens' game. And when the rain happened, I felt like that didn't change anything for what the Ravens were going to do. I feel like it did change what we were going to do. Although Kyle Shanahan seemed to still be, still have some aggressive pass plays in his sleeve that he wanted to call. The biggest one, in my opinion, being the opening drive, fourth down, fourth and two call which was a deep bomb to Debo Samuel which didn't look good when it was in the air the camera pans over and I see the ball going into double coverage and Marcus Peters is one of those cover guys and I'm thinking oh my god this does not look good but Debo Samuel huge credit to him for doing exactly what a wide receiver is supposed to do and there's lots of guys that don't do this. Some of our guys on this team haven't done this. Vernon Davis was notorious for this, but he all but you instead of letting the ball come to your chest or your stomach, you go up and make the adjustment. And Debo Samuel has done this on multiple occasions this season. He's also had some key jobs, which is expected of a rookie, but he's also shown the type of prowess that and the technique that you want to see out of a starting wide receiver and that's adjustments to the football as long as the ball's within the catch zone of the receiver's length that's why big receivers are favored because you can throw off target and they can go and get you the ball like a michael thomas like a mike evans like a chris godwin like those guys those big long long guys like a dk metcalf that played tonight even though he had another turnover and he's he's kind of showed some some turnover 
turnover tendencies as but as a rookie but he's but that's what you want to see out of those guys and that was a tremendous catch but really this game came down to one or two plays and the the one that stands out to me it, there's two of them the the first one is the Jimmy G fumble early in the game that seemed to shift momentum that we had had at that point into the Ravens lap and then the second one was the fourth down pass play call i really thought it should have been a running play because Kyle Shanahan recognized that we were gashing them with tosses and sweeps. And Raheem Mostert was the back just eating them alive, gashing them as well as we were getting gashed by Lamar Jackson. And really, I thought it should have been another run play. And we ended up going for a pass and with bad coverage. It was a bad look. And it didn't work out in our favor. And we lost the ball and we had to burn our timeouts. And it was just, they were already, they were ended up being in field goal range and we lost the game. So, but to, but again, if you take away that fumble, then it's the Ravens that are scrambling to try to recapture the league or lead or tie. And we're playing, we're playing to defend the lead, which we're very good at. But you know, this just came down to just that. To me, it, there wasn't like a litany of things. Like, you know, with the Pittsburgh game, there's five turnovers we can look at to really kind of boil down the, what went wrong. And it was a lot that went wrong in that game, but the defense kept us in it. And this one, we were just playing a, a, a team that was just r- really committed to the run. It's it's literally like 80-20. He only threw for 105 yards. You know, this is not a prolific passer. This is a guy who runs better than Kaepernick and throws worse than him. You know, Kaepernick is a down south runner. Like if you catch him in open space, like the Green Bay playoff game or the game against the Chargers, you know, where he gets an open space, he's going to burn you like a gazelle. But if you force him to throw accurate, make accurate throws in the pocket, that's where he really struggles. And Lamar Jackson's even worse than that. 14 for 23, 105 yards, one touchdown. I mean, they did, they did not amass 200 yards like they normally do. The Niners, even though these numbers are still look good by any regular game statistical standard, this game by the Ravens' rushing standard this year, this was a, a good effort by the Niners. And I think a lot of people echoed that I saw after the game. Pundits, fans, other players, even both teams towards each other. I think there was a lot of respect garnered out of this game because I know that some people some people said like I, I think it was Earl Thomas or something like when they said like hey you know do you think this is going to be a Super Bowl preview and he kind of you know scoffed at that and said like you know maybe you know whoever we play in the Super Bowl obviously that's an indication that and a, a presumptuous comment that they're going to go there and that whoever they play you know they're they're you know they're going to come out on top you know I don't personally I don't like when players talk like that it's. You know, the the goal is to win the Super Bowl, but I don't think you should presume that you're going to win the Super Bowl. I think you should always respect your opponent and have the mindset that you want to win. But, you know, the, the presumptuous mindset is a different psychology, in my opinion, and it always just rubs me the wrong way. So I wasn't pleased with that. And they sang a different tune at the end of this game, I think, because because every time they tried to punch the Niners in the mouth, the Niners had a response right back. And to be honest, the Niners are the ones that struck first here. They struck first with an uppercut straight to the face against their best corner in double coverage. So, and Raheem Mostert, who I think, I think Raheem Mostert used to play for the Ravens as an undrafted uh, player. 
and had a career day against them. So I thought they, you know, again, and Kyle Shanahan recognized that they were getting more success in the edge than up the gut because the Ravens are a good run defense, but they're stout up the middle and clearly they are a lot softer on the edges. And obviously between the tackles and off the edges is something that the Niners excel at um, in both cases, but it just wasn't working for us up the middle. Tevin Coleman was the guy leading that charge, but it wasn't working. And you saw that there was a, there was a good long stretch in the game where they just left every other running back out of the equation and just kept giving the ball to the hot ham of Raheem Mostert. And he got touchdowns. He got first downs. He got huge chunk yardage. He was just beating them uh, left and right the same way that Lamar was beating us. And so to me, that that I, I would have liked to see that on the fourth play call. I thought that would maybe something like that would be more expected than a passing play. But I still think you know if, if that's if it was working as well as it was, just, just like Lamar's fourth down calls were working against us. I think you got. I think that would have been what I would have wanted to see. The the second he dropped back to pass, I was thinking ah that's not the play. That's not the play I wanted to see there. I wanted to see a running play because I really felt like we had some rhythm going on with the running game in the second half, and that was really something that and we matched them. You know, rushing yardage, both these team, both of us and the Ravens, we both like amassed 150 plus. I think they had a little bit more, but you know, we certainly got we certainly matched them on the ground for the most part, and that was pretty much all Raheem Mostert. Uh, Tevin Coleman was really a couldn't get anything going, but Raheem Mostert averaged seven 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 point seven yards a carry after F, and he got nineteen. So he got you know an Ezekiel Elliott esque type of share of of handoffs, and I thought the defense was pretty good for the most part. I thought that you know again running is our weakness and running is their strength, and even though we made an effort to try to stop Lamar. He didn't have his big, huge runs that he did in some of the previous blowouts. It wasn't a blowout game. And for the most part, I feel like he didn't have the level of success that people have been used to seeing him garner, especially in this last three-game streak that they've been on. I mean, I, I know they've won they've won like eight games in a row, but I mean, like the last three games have been, you know, decisive blowouts. And that really wasn't the case today because they, you know, the Niners are a good defense despite not having a a great statistic against the run. But I think that they'll be ready for them if they face them again, because I just saw too many guys biting on the fake. That and, was it. That was, you know, like that was the entire know, first, first quarter you, and a half. Exactly. And you know, like 80% of the time Lamar is going to keep it and run. But, but when, when you're in that, I think it, it was just like force of habit. Yeah. That's what it seemed like to me. It's like you're, you're so used to seeing every other team in every other game throughout your entire career, whether it's one year, two years, or three, you know, hand off to the running back 90% of that time. And so 95% even, not even Kyler Murray or, or, or Russell Wilson do it to that degree. So they just kept, they would have had tons of tackles for loss had Mark Ingram actually got the ball. And when he did get the ball, he, because Mark Ingram was contained. He he was not he was not a factor in this game at all. No, he had like a, a couple of good runs, but he was held 15, under fifteen fifteen attempts, fifteen carries, fifty nine yards. Yeah, and he was sub four, which is not his average. I think his season average is somewhere around four and a half or something like that. But you know, he was a non factor, and so to me, it's just like, come on, you know, it's going to Jackson. Just just crash, crash his position and get that TFL. But we just couldn't. I know we sat. I think we sacked him like twice. It took it took a while. It took a while. It wasn't until the second half that we really 
adjusted to Lamar Jackson. And once we did, it was a much tighter game. But you saw it the whole time, right? This What, did they, what, what, what do they do every single time? And actually, I heard our, our boy Johnny Dells even talking about it on his uh, his preview on what he thought the Niners need to do defensively. It's a great video. You guys go check it out. Our boy Johnny Dells, friend of the Goldcast. Uh, but what, what did Lamar do every time, Raymond? They fake the handoff. He, he shoots out to the side, right? Hits out either out out right, out swing right, swing left, but he does it almost every single play. It was the same thing. Fake, run out to the, shoot out to the side. Fake, shoot out to the side. Fake, shoot out to the side. I mean, but, and you're right. If they handed that ball off to any of those runners, they were there. There was a Niner jersey tackling the, the fake immediately and catching them, you know, two yards behind center. But unfortunately, the ball wasn't there and it was Lamar shooting out. That's why I said, if we face them again, and there's a lot that has to happen. There's a lot of seeding that we have to figure out and a playoff picture that still needs to be decided back here in the NFC. But if we see them again, they will not beat us. They will not. This was the game I don't think where so, we learned. Because we're, we're, well, first of all, if, if we do see him again, the only way we can see him is in the Super Bowl. And that is going to take place in Miami where the weather is not rainy and where the the weather conditions will favor both teams but it'll it'll be in other words it'll be a more even playing field in terms of weather effects but that's the only way that happens and if it does happen again i think the team will be ready they will not fall for the fakes because if you force lamar jackson to sit in that pocket and throw that's how you beat him he is that because this is the type of quarterback like all quarterbacks that are still learning how to thread the needle. Notice that Lamar Jackson, and this is true, this is a this is a statistic here. Majority of the passes that Lamar Jackson throws are within the hash marks, more or less. Inter- in the, the middle of the field is where they like to target his throws. So that's why, why do you think Mark Andrews and all his tight ends are the primary targets? The, his leading receiver is Mark Andrews. What, where do tight ends usually go to catch the football? In the middle of the field. Even the two touchdowns to Hollywood Brown last week where it were cross crossing routes over the middle. And the touchdown on Sunday uh, against the Niners, the, the response back was the touch throw over the middle to Mark Andrews. All of that, that's where his field of vision is because he cannot throw outside the hashes. He does not have that type of vision to make those throws. We saw some some inaccurate balls thrown on his side and if he's forced to do that uh, more regular than what he's used to because this is not a guy that puts up you know 30 40 attempts like a lot of the big passers in the league like we saw tonight from Kirk Cousins and Russell Wilson he's not going to put up those types of numbers he's kind of in the the low mid 20s you know unless it just happens to be one of those weird games where they're forced to throw a lot but you know he does not is not a big pass he's not a volume passer and if you make him a volume passer then he's i think he's extremely vulnerable well and while i understand what you're saying i understand the the the, the whole bit about forcing him to be to to beat you with his arm but the pro- the problem with that is is that that's just not that's just not a recipe that they really go to the well that they really go to is the read option the read option fake that ends with a Lamar Jackson run that's what it they does. Get. That, that's it does, so. But... So beating him, beating you with his arm, I, you know. It, I, well, I get. I, I understand. Like I said, I understand the concept of it, but that's not a well they go to. And I guess the only way you force them to go to that well is you begin to take out 
the left and the right side so that he can't he can't pull off the read option fake that he's so accustomed to. Well, there's two ways. You a you 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 got to plug up his running lanes and and force him to challenge the corners. You know, he didn't throw much to, you know, uh, Sherman and all of our corners we had we have we get we still remain, you know, the best pass defense in the NFL because of what he didn't do. Not only, you know, the fact that they avoid that, like they kind of avoid passing it almost like it's the plague. And when they did pass, it wasn't all that great. But the the main thing, the, the other part of the strategy to force Lamar into the pocket is you have to establish a lead. Because if they if you establish a lead, you cannot rely on the run in the same manner that you do when you're building, a, when you have an even game or if you're playing with a lead. And even though the Ravens have a good running game, if you build a lead against them, what what do what does every team in the NFL do when time is against them and the score is against them? They are forced into passing situations because you have to get the ball downfield fast and you have to conserve time in order to acquire more possession opportunities to try and score again and catch up and take the lead or tie. So if you build a lead against the Ravens and you hinder his running and you hinder if you hinder his running lanes in order to help slow him down to get the ball back and put up drives that put up points and establish a lead, Lamar's going to be forced to throw no matter what. And if he's in that situation, then I think they're in trouble. I think they're in big trouble. Notice the games they've been playing. What are they how have they been playing those games? They've been playing those games with big leads. And when you have big leads, what do you do? You run the ball to eat up the clock. It plays right into their into their bread and butter, no matter what, from start to finish. If they have a big lead, so if you flip the script on them, they will not. They cannot run because they're going to lose time off the clock, and they're not going to be able to get big chunk yardage like thirty yards, twenty five yards. You can't get that on the ground if you're going to if if you're trying to get back into the game and you're behind. So that's what I think has to happen. I. I understand what you're saying. I I, uh, I I totally understand. Well, I totally understand what you're saying. That was the let's, other part of it that I was getting. Yeah, let's let's take a look now, Raymond. Let's let's move on to the greater NFL picture. The Ravens are now in the driver's seat in the AFC as they're at ten and two. They are currently sitting at the first seed. The Patriots, after their big loss yesterday, it seems the Patriots must lose on any day the 49ers lose this season. That's just kind of their thing. They are now sitting in the second seed. We've got the Steelers in we got the I'm sorry, we've got the Chiefs in the fourth seed, the Texans in the third, the Bills in the fifth, Steelers in the sixth. Ravens and Patriots get the bye. Now, more importantly, in the division that matters and the division that will end up winning the Super Bowl, the NFC, you have in the first seed is the Saints, second seed the Seahawks, Third seed, the Pack. Fourth seed, the Cowboys. Fifth seed, the 49ers. And the sixth seed, For now. the Vikings. For now. For now. If that, the that, playoffs that were happening. That is all based on the results of tonight's game. That's and, right. And the Niners lost, of course. 100%. If the playoffs were to happen today, the 49ers would go head-to-head with the Cowboys the Vikings would go head to head with the Packers and the winners of these games, the winner, the 49ers would, if the 49ers win, they would go face the 49ers beat the Cowboys. They would go, well, they would theoretically go to 
the Saints if the Packers lost. If the Packers won, the, they they would. Oh, we'd go to the Saints no matter. Well, if the Vikings won, then the Vikings would go to the Saints. But if the if the Packers win, Packers would go face the Seahawks. We would go face the Saints. So, unfortunately, we needed the Minnesota Vikings to come through. Roots are Dominus the third when he looked into his crystal ball. Clearly, there must have been something off. I did not check the bandwidth on my internet connection when I was looking into my crystal ball. This is a classic mistake. I've made this several times in the past, and the future becomes muddy. And I see part of the future, but not all the future. And the part that I missed was the Cowboys beating the Vikings. It was was a close game, but again, not enough. Do you think we're going to hear whispers, Raymond, that the Seahawks are now the best team? In the NFC, I have not because the game just concluded. And to be honest, when we lose, I tend to ignore a lot of the pundits. And because I, I don't watch these shows on TV, I will just watch the, you know, edited clips on YouTube and say, "What's Shannon Sharp thinking? What is, what is the, what is the, the, what is uh, Ryan Clark think? Or what does Rex Ryan think? Or what does the inside the NFL crew think?" What do they think of, of the, the, the picture now? But usually when we win, because I hate winning more than I love uh, winning, or I hate losing more than I love winning, I tend to, I'm so irritated with the loss that I tend to avoid all media for until the next game. So probably like, you know, tomorrow or maybe Wednesday or Thursday, more or less, I'll start to chime in. Although I did listen to Greg Papa today, which which is fine. And I also listened to Dante Whitner. And, you know, of course, they're on our side. They still believe that the Niners are still the best team in the NFC. I'm still of the belief, regardless of what the seeding says, that we are the better team. I just feel like we're more complete. We're certainly more complete on defense than the Seahawks. And I feel like we're more versatile and dynamic on offense than the Seahawks. And we're also the best coverage. We also have the best uh, special teams coverage unit in the NFL. So to me, all three phases are much more balanced and... We've taken care of, you know, we've won majority of our games outside of the two. I know the two games we lost were to two really good teams, and that obviously doesn't look good. But we also beat a couple really good teams too, you know, including the Steelers that are in the wild, they're in the playoff hunt right now, are in the wild card position with a sixth seed. And we also uh, decisively beat the Packers, and we're on our way with what, what in my eye looks like a very favorable matchup in New Orleans this Sunday and we'll obviously get to that later in the week but you know as as it stands right now I think that's another great matchup that really kind of favors us and you know we thought that this three-game stretch would be pretty brutal but I was hoping you know like best case scenario obviously a sweep of three and oh but I think that you know you you still have to feel pretty good if you get out of this gauntlet two and one because that's you know that helps with seeding we 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 could have clinched with a playoff win this week, but that's not going to happen. But I think that's still, that will be the case. This upcoming game still has playoff implications that we need to secure. So this is a must-win game. Every game from here on out is a must-win game. You know, technically you're trying to win every game, but as far as positioning and home field advantage goes, you know, now it becomes even more significant. So going forward, you know, the focus is now New Orleans. Yes. And actually, I was looking at a stat online. Mm, I can't find the stat. Son of a gun. It's all right. Not not the end of the world. But okay, so the I was looking at a stat that if you were looking at all the other 
10 and 2 teams, of which there's a lot the Ravens, the Pats, the Saints, the Seahawks, the 49ers, all 10 and 2. The combined amount of points we've lost, those games total six. And like everybody else is in double digits. Everyone else is in double digits on their losses. Ours has been the slimmest margin of victory. It just shows you how competitive and tough the 49ers team truly is. Actually, let, why don't we do that? Let's take a let's take a break right here for a second. Let's go through our reader uh, predictions. Our reader predicts. Um, not a whole lot. Uh, and Steve Fox brought up. I, I don't recognize the name, but he brought up uh, a, an interesting comment that I wasn't aware of at the time of recording, which was that there was an eighty-four percent chance of rain in the game. So I think that's that's important. I mean, we'll be playing in a dome this weekend, so weather will not matter one way or another. However, that does matter in every other outdoor stadium. So, uh, shout out to Steve Fox for pointing that out. That's an important and welcome um, to the Gold Cast, buddy. Yeah, and that's an underappreciated stat to pay attention to from game game to game outside of the dome stadiums. So, good call on that one. John Niner thought it was going to be twenty four seventeen. Sorry, John, you got the you got the close. You know the the close the the score was close. You know the Niners did. Uh, the, the, only the score was a little bit reversed, and you take away four points. Niner by nature, eighty-eight thought it was going to be a blowout, and Jimmy Ward was going to get two picks. I well, wish well, that would have happened. What was the score though? Thirty-one to ten in favor of the Niners. I love you, Niner by nature. You're the best. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just love the guts. He's got, he's got balls of steel. You know, and I know there was some, there was some Ravens fans that actually chimed into. I'm not going to. There's nothing super relevant with those comments, but. I think just because the game was so big, we did actually have some Ravens fans chime in and get into discussions with some of our fans just about, uh, you know, the the game. No, none of them gave predictions. They just just simple stuff like go Niners, you know, or go, go Ravens. Ravens. Yeah, and actually, I will say this: a uh, Ravens Gunny, who is a Ravens fan, you can tell by the name, he did say respect to your Niners. They're as good as advertised. Awesome game that could have gone either way. Good luck the rest of the y'all season. Go Thank Ravens. you. That's what's up. So that was cool. It was a great game. It was a great game. I will say that. I was frustrated. I wasn't as pissed off as I was during the Seahawks game. Because obviously losing to the Seahawks is a completely different avenue than losing to the Ravens. But it hurt. It did hurt. It definitely hurt. It really bugged me, especially when I felt like the game was in reach. Uh, last thing I want to hit on, Ray, before we got to go, I want to go back to that fourth and one because I didn't get to chime in on that. You're right. A run the, play would have been good. Yeah, the, I, I would have yeah. preferred oh, the second one. Yeah, the, the last one. The last one we did that basically sealed our fate. I would have preferred uh, a field goal. Let Robbie Gould kick it. I, I trust him. Let him kick it. See, see, then we go, we, then we have a kickoff. We're not, we're not, we don't have Baltimore in field goal position. They've got to travel the length of the field now and we see what's what, you know, that's, that's really where I would have, um, I would have gone towards is, is that right there. But that, that's just my opinion. It was, you know, and, and I think that's fair, but for some reason I just felt like, and I don't know if anybody else feels this way. I just feel like. Because of the implications of the game and the opponent, what was at stake, and you know the the degree of difficulty that game was going to be for us and for for the Ravens for that matter, I think that Kyle Shanahan just had this he had this extra bone of aggressiveness in him, 
you know, the, the fourth and two bomb call, that was the first time I saw that. I don't remember any fourth fourth down call this season where Shanahan dialed up, you know, a house call. He's not scared of anybody. It. He's not. And, you know, and, and, and he has he right is, not to is, be. He is aggressive. And, you know, he, remember, this is only his third year doing it. So there is a degree of there is a learning curve that, that, you know, he's learning and adapting too, and he's gotten progressively better as a coach. You know, Bill Belichick was a horrible Browns coach and got fired from that job before becoming the coach that he's known as today. So, you know, there is, there is a learning curve there for, for decision-making time management. That's why I think it's so it's very helpful for a having your dad be Mike Shanahan, who was like the master at clock management and running the football and the West coast offense, but also being an offensive coordinator for 10 years before actually making it, you know, to your own head coaching gig. Cause you've seen so much, you've seen so many good decisions made. You've seen bad decisions made. You've thought, what would I do in this situation? If it was me, I would have done this. If it was me, I would have done that, or I would have called this, or I would have called that, you know? And so I, I feel like he was just very prepared by the time this came. And I think had we had the right, you know, had we had better developed personnel and more talent, you know, I don't, I don't think it would have taken three years for us to get to this point. And it certainly looked like we were going to get there before the Jimmy G injury. So we were certainly ahead of schedule, but then I felt like we fell right back into schedule with his injury. But still, I give a lot of credit to Shanahan because I did feel like he was being more aggressive than usual. And that's because the game had a lot greater stakes and I think required that. And plus, I, he was going up against a team that he knows calls fourth down a lot more than any other team and they have the highest success rate of fourth down calls this season and if it's fourth and short they're going to go for it so i think like there was a part of kyle shanahan that felt like he had to match that and show them that hey my team is just as capable as yours despite being you know a different having a different personality and and being in a different conference and i felt like for the most part they did they were successful in delivering that message and you that to me that was echoed from the Ravens, you know, the Ravens gave when they gave a lot of respect to the Niners after the game. Both teams did, but I, but the Ravens, I felt were a little bit more cocky going into that game, at least with the Earl Thomas comment, which is just boneheadedness. And by the way, that's the second former Seahawk that's made a just really out of character, you know, completely off base comment about the night. Like, remember when the Niners beat the Panthers? And I think they have an ex-Seahawk over there who said, like, oh, they're all right. <laughs> like, you just you just got 50 dropped on you, and you're saying we're okay? It's like, come on. So, anyways, but that's neither yes. here nor there. But but that's that's two in a row that we've gotten that. But for the most part, I feel like, you know, this this team, there's no moral victories. But I felt like we, we can hang with these guys if we see them again, I think. And I think it would be a lot easier than what we saw this week. The general reaction... The general reaction around the league has been exactly what the general reaction was for me after the game and with Niner fans that I was talking to was that we are the best team in the NFC. And that game actually proved it. It did not prove it. It proved we were literally neck and neck with this team. Raymond, we've got to go, but real quick, who gets your game ball and who gets your cold shower? Ooh, this is a tough one. I Well, for the for the shower it does. Well, I you know what? I think I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to give the game ball because I'm going to give the game ball to Raheem Mostert 
for matching Lamar Jackson on the ground and keeping our run game relevant in a game where it really had to be. And I'm going to give a cold shower to Jimmy G for giving up a very crucial turnover. He did the same thing in the Seattle game. And, you know, if you take away those those two errors, that game has a different outcome. And the same thing can be said here. So to me, Jimmy G's got to do a much better job protecting. The, and I know I'm mostly, I, I'm usually pretty lenient on him. But I think this time and going forward, he's got to he's got to do a better job of protecting the football because in games like this, one error can cost us the game, just like, you know, an error in baseball can cost you the game. It has the same, same, that same tiny error can have huge implications to the outcome of the football game. And in this one, it did. I mean, there's other plays that we can point to that because it's not all on Jimmy's fault, but that play did. And I think he needs to do a better job protecting the football, plain and simple. I'm going to say I have the same exact same exact Roheem Mostert, game ball, cold shower, Jimmy G for the same reasons. We're on the same page. Although I will, I want to give a shout out. I want to throw a little bit of game ball skin to our boy Richard Sherman with seven tackles. He came to play. He did. He was great. I thought he was great. I thought he outplayed Earl Thomas, who who's actually has more Pro Bowl appearances than Richard Sherman. But I think uh, they, they have a couple of old Jimmy Smith. I didn't even realize Jimmy Smith still plays. I knew Earl Thomas did, but I didn't realize Jimmy Smith did. So that secondary has gotten a lot better as the season's gone on, but that is their weak point, which is why it's important for us to establish the run game against that team because the play-action pass is really what's going to eat them alive in addition to you know just – having a balanced offensive attack but the passing game is where they're susceptible and we really saw some of that in that game jimmy g did have some big third down conversions when we really needed to keep drives alive it was the fourth down one at the very end that unfortunately didn't go through and then a costly error giving up the football early in a game when we had all the momentum up to that point so but but going forward you know that's there the formula to beat the ravens is there the tape is the everyone in the NFL is going to look at the tape here and say, Hey, they got 200 yards on us, but they, the Niners were somehow able to shave off, you know, 50, 60, uh, out of that, out of that, uh, season average. So we need to take note here. Yeah. Agreed. All right. We'll be back a little bit later this week to go over the preview of the 49ers on there. We are now at the tail end of our, playoff dress rehearsal then we get a little break and then it is against the seahawks for nfc west supremacy but this is the final game in our playoff dress rehearsal and it has been billed as advertised the 49ers well our one and one have not disappointed in any way shape or form we are still proud of our boys and i look forward to this game against the saints and i think they they're not ready real talk all right, so concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond the I, baby. Boom! We'll see you next time. Same Gold Cast time, same Gold Cast channel. This is, this is the Gold Cast.